0: Calgary Next is powered by Calgary Economic Development. Calgary is the place where bright minds and big ideas come together with an unmatched spirit to help solve global challenges.
1: Our guest this morning is Jeff Davison. While he was on Calgary's City Council from 2017 to 2021, he developed the city's economic strategy and the $200 million downtown recovery plan, David's favorite, and has served on many boards, including Calgary Economic Development, Opportunity Calgary Investment Fund, and the Calgary Municipal Land Corporation. Since July of 2022, he's been the CEO of the Prostate Cancer Center, and he's here this morning to tell us about the center and guidelines for men around testing and symptoms. Good morning.
2: Good morning. Do you have any statistics about the disease itself? Like Mm -hmm. how many people in Alberta or generally and how many people get cured? Any statistics that can help us kind of understand the magnitude? It's it's alarming right now. I mean, I think
3: one in six now Alberta men will face prostate cancer, which is uh, a growing statistic. And when you think about that's our dads, that's our uncles, our brothers, all the men in our lives, uh, chances are prostate cancer is going to affect you at some point. It's now the fastest cancer growing amongst men. So if you take lung cancer right out of the equation, which is really the fastest growing cancer out there, prostate cancer is now growing more rapidly in men than breast cancer is in women.
1: Do we know why?
3: You know, there's a a lot of things we're trying to figure out in terms of why. I think what we do know is that early detection matters and that um, when you catch it early, it is treatable uh, to a large extent, like a lot of cancers. Um, the problem we have is that a lot of people don 't want to talk about prostate cancer it 's not sort of you know the in thing to talk about at the dinner table um, but that 's where we need to get to if we 're going to start making a difference in the lives of men in this province
2: so you, you said it's growing, and was it is it growing just because we have better way to detect detect it or and it was the same before? It was something in our life that changes the, that ratio? That's
3: a little bit of my belief. Like when you think about one in six Alberta men compares to one in nine nationally, um, part of the reason is that Alberta is the only group, where th- we're the only center out there doing that proactive outreach. So the Man Van program, for instance, is now Alberta-wide. It's uh, the opportunity for us to get into the community, go where the men are, and encourage men to do a simple blood test that could save their lives. What's, what's the Man Van? So the Man Van is a very unique program, um, you know. Because some people can interpret it differently. Y- y- well, you know, there's, there's there's lots of lots of things you can go. Thankfully, we trademarked it. So, um, but no, I mean, really, the the Man Van is one of the world's most unique programs. It's the only program like it of its kind that goes out into the community where the men are. So we're traveling across the province into rural communities. We're going to big events. We're we're just trying to get to the places where the men are to have the conversation that. You know, prostate cancer isn't what people think. It's not just sort of the old white guy disease. It's about, you know, getting out, talking to men, talking to men's families, because often guys just don't take care of themselves. You know, we, we don't want to know that there's something wrong with us. We're the ones who take care of everybody in our family. Now we have to get out and talk to those families about taking care of the ones that take care of us. And so getting out into the community to do these simple blood tests, um, to get results quickly and, and start figuring out, like, what does that path to wellness look like should you have a high PSA rating?
1: What age should should men start getting tested?
3: It's a, you know the age range is a little bit difficult, uh, and we have a lot of conversations going on with the province and nationally right now around that. Um, what I like to say is the earlier the better, and one of the reasons I say that is. Um, we, we men have very few entry points into healthcare, right? When you compare it to women who are taught at a very young age, get checked annually. We have to look at this. This is this is the process we go through. We're always surprised when men show up to a clinic at fifty-six years old with something wrong, and they go, "Well, I don't have a family doctor." We haven't established those habits. So I always say, starting at forty, I would like people to start thinking about or having a conversation whether getting checked is right for them. Really. At 50, you need to, unless you are of black Caribbean descent, indigenous, or you have a family history, you should absolutely be getting checked at 40.
1: And check through the blood test or the uh, other testing.
3: Would you like to go into detail about the other testing? <laughs> <No>. Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. why not? Yeah. David, David's like here. Too. David likes to give second opinions. So, but um, that,
1: but that deterred a lot of men from getting tested. Yeah, and, and that's right? the thing. It's it's, yeah.
3: it's not sort of the typical invasive procedure that we we once talked about. It's a simple <laughs> blood test, right? Right. I mean, when you think about technology these days. Things are moving at a very rapid pace, and what we're trying to do is adopt new technologies that reduce the barriers for men when it comes to early detection of prostate cancer or other urological diseases.
2: Our guest this morning is Jeff Davidson, CEO of the Prostate Cancer Center. And, and going to back to what you said about the other way of testing, mm-hmm. every year that I go for my checkup and I, my doctor says, sorry... I, I have to do now the other one. And mm-hmm. I say, that's why I'm coming here every year. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, You probably turn around and say, I'll give you 14 <laughs> minutes to stop that, right? Yeah. But but uh, when you talk about men's ent- uh, points of entry to mm-hmm. medical care, how do we change this narrative? Because, because of family history, I go, f- since I was 40, I go to mm-hmm. regular checkups, uh, including PSA, and we'll talk about PSA later. But how we change this kind of, how do you educate men that this is the right thing to do in today's environment in today's world with everything that we have around us it's stress and 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 changes that are constant Part of it
3: is that we don't just talk to men. We talk to men and their families. We talk to their spouses. We talk to their partners. Um, it's, it's getting to that dinner table conversation that really will change the perception and the narrative around prostate cancer. I like to think about, if you if you go back 10 years ago to what I think was a phenomenal job the Breast Cancer Group did, you know, we started seeing spikes in numbers in women that were being, you know, diagnosed with breast cancer. And ultimately, I think they stopped talking so much about the disease itself, because disease is scary. It's a hard thing to talk about. But what they started talking about was how it affects moms and it affects our grandmas and it affects our aunts and our sisters. And that's exactly what we're trying to do is shift the narrative to talk about it more like these are the the things that, yes, they're uncomfortable to talk about, but they are affecting the men in our lives. And chances are, you know somebody that's affected by this, right? That one in six statistic is real. This is not the old white guy disease. Cancer does not care about your ethnicity. It does not care about your income level, right? It, chances are if if you you know have a certain gene you're just going to face this
1: so for for if there's a man out there right now who has not gone to get tested uh, what symptoms should be alarming
3: the the problem is is that often the symptoms don't exist Mm -hmm. And so that's why we encourage men to have the conversation with their GP. Come to a man-van clinic. It's free. It's fun. We try to make it fun for the guys who come in there because we understand the barriers that exist around it. But coming in and talking about whether or not a simple blood test is right for you and whether or not that blood test could save your life is absolutely critical in the equation. But it starts by taking that first proactive step to say, you know, I need, I need to think about these things. You know, when we survey people on the man van, for instance, I think it's 56% of the guys that come to the man van would say they either don't have a family doctor, or unless they knew there was something physically wrong with them, they would not seek
2: medical help.
1: Well, that's a big percentage of yep. somebody without a, a family doctor.
2: Yeah, thanks. Well, I think it's a problem here in our province, generally speaking. Well, you know,
3: it, mm. it is, right? I mean, I think we're, we're... I'm pleased that the province is taking steps towards sort of making change. Um, change is really hard when it comes to healthcare, right? AHS is, you know, their budget for 23-24 is like $24 billion, right? $1.8 of that is spent on innovation. And so you have to think about how much money is being spent. Fortunately... Groups like the Prostate Cancer Centre, we sit outside of AHS, so we're able to provide that wraparound care. So even though we work with every urologist in the city, um, we provide that sort of entry point into healthcare as well as sort of the follow-up after things like surgery or other other things that are needed,
1: can you go a little bit deeper into the center? We have about mm-hmm. a minute and a half sure. left um, just to give us an, a good understanding of what the center is there for
3: yeah, I mean it's not even just about the detection anymore it's really about we we're, we're advancing our mental health case right now because we understand that men who go through prostate cancer have very unique mental health challenges, mostly it's the stigma of you know losing their manhood right fifty percent of the outcome of prostate cancer surgeries could be affected by things like incontinence or sexual dysfunction. So going through the mental health aspect of those and helping men and their families is very important. We're also pioneering things like prehabilitation. And so the Centre, because we're, we're donor-funded, um, we have the most comprehensive prehabilitation program in the world that we're about to pilot, which is really the idea of getting men healthier before a surgery, right? It, you wouldn't go run a marathon and then train for it afterwards. Mm-hmm. So why do we put men through surgery and then say, geez, Dave, you've got to lose 20 pounds. Right. Mm. If we can do that up front, and I'm not saying yeah, you, I'm you not have, saying you do you need to lose to 20 say, pounds. I, I know I have you know, to lose. I know, 25 I, I, pounds. I knew I was risking it when I said that.
1: <laughs> he feels attacked. Yeah, right now.
3: yeah. I'm sorry, David. You know, but you You're know, vulnerable. we're going to put you in prehabilitation. Um, but the idea is really that you know the outcomes will be so much better if guys are healthier going in and the the reduction in complications is significant.
1: What a thought. Proactive health. Mm -hmm. Uh, We are going to take a quick break. We just want to take one moment to thank Calgary Economic Development for being the sponsor of Calgary Next. We'll be right back.
0: Calgary Next is powered by Calgary Economic Development. Calgary is the place where bright minds and big ideas come together with an unmatched spirit to help solve global challenges. Calgary next is powered by Calgary Economic Development. Calgary is the place where bright minds and big ideas come together with an unmatched spirit to help solve global challenges.
2: We're back with Jeff Davison, CEO of the Prostate Cancer Center in Calgary. Which is in Alberta, right? right? It's not just Calgary. Yeah, I mean, the center is here in Calgary, but
3: what we're trying to do is think about how do we expand those services across the province. I mean, again, we know that men across the province need equitable access into healthcare, And so one of the things we're actually looking at is how do we provide some of the clinics we have virtually? Right, I think the pandemic taught us that we can use technology in our favor, and so the ability for a guy in Three Hills to get off the combine and have a conversation with one of our doctors now is now a real thing. We can measure even activity through wearable technologies, and you know we're we're hopefully going to change the
2: what, the face of uh, healthcare. So you mentioned PSA, PSA, and I mm-hmm. mentioned PSA, yeah, which is prostate specific antigen, mm-hmm. but I think there is a little bit of confusing. I have idea with the public about the PSA, and mm-hmm. I'll give my example. My brother had prostate cancer, and after his surgery, he called me. He lives in Israel. He calls me and go, "Go check your PSA." Mm-hmm. I go check my PSA. I call him. I said, "This is my PSA." He goes, "Oh, it's too high." And then I go back to my doctor, and my doctor explains to me, "You can compare those." Yeah. So, can you elaborate a little bit, a little bit for our listeners to the PSA? What is it? What kind of indication gives you? And do not compare with that with your neighbor because uh, there's no
3: relation. And, you know, it's it, it's a, qu- a conversation we're having right now as we expand services provincially because in northern Alberta, you know, the, they measure PSA ratings differently than southern Alberta. So even within our own health jurisdiction, we have some of those conversations. Part of the conversation we're having with groups like the Movember movement, which I think is a fantastic movement, um, we're trying to sort of get aligned on What should an international or a national standard be when it comes to PSAs? Because there is a lot of sort of, well, is my number good? Is my number bad? And at the end of the day, um, you know, that's a conversation to have with your doctor, right? Seek that medical advice and and talk to them. Or, again, come to a man-band clinic where the nurses will run you through why we test the way we do and what those numbers mean in in terms of follow-up.
1: Uh, Before the break, we mentioned that you've been in municipal politics from Mm -hmm. 2017 through to 2021. You know we got to bring some of this (laughs) up. I mean, we're we're in election mode in a number of ways right Mm -hmm. now around the world. And um, one of the things that we often hear in conversation is why would anybody – Want to be a politician? Mm-hmm. It just seems like a thankless job. I mean, it's appreciated, of course, and it's necessary. But why would somebody who's successful in business and doing well in their own right decide to go into politics? Uh, you did it. Why?
3: Well, I'll tell you. Uh, you know, being a recovering politician is uh, <laughs> is a nice thing when nobody outside your home is yelling at you. Um, <laughs> But at the end of the day, I think, you know, the Prostate Cancer Centre, I think, has taught me there's a lot of ways to give back to community without necessarily having to be elected. That said, uh, you know, there's a real lack of leadership in this country, around the world.
1: Is there um, ever?
3: It's uh, it's a big challenge. Shocking. Right? Yeah. Well, and, you know, look, I I think every politician who goes in to be a politician... You know, whether you have an agenda that people believe in or not, you, you're, you have your own convictions as to why you want to be there. And so, you know, my hat goes off to anybody who runs for election. The challenges we have, though, is that society has become very divided and people aren't listening to common sense anymore. And so when you have the polarization of politics, you, you begin to have um, bigger challenges, even trying to uh, get more experienced individuals, let's say, to the table to help lead, right? I mean, the city of Calgary is a great example. We always forget that the city is a $4.5 billion a year corporation, right? Mm-hmm. It's a massive, massive job to, to be the mayor. It's a massive job to be a city councillor.
1: Well, and she um, has the lowest uh, polling ever saying that she's the least popular uh, mayor that we've ever had.
3: Yeah. Well, I mean, look, like, you know, your first term should be a honeymoon, right? It should be yeah. that you get in and, and you should be Uh, you know, you you got elected for a reason. The the challenge is when you get elected for a reason and then you turn and and decide you have new reasons for being elected, the population is going to seek a challenge with that. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, traditionally, when it comes to polling around mayors, uh, you know, your first term, you generally poll about 70% and your first re-election becomes sort of your your high point, right? That's that's your largest um, polling opportunity. And then it kind of trickles down from there. But to see a mayor that's now sort of 30% popularity in a first term midway through, uh,
2: I I don't know that that's recoverable for her. Since uh, Tara opened that Pandora case, I was hoping that would be the last question, but I have to follow suit. And you said you called yourself a recovering politician. And I want to ask you, is the bug still there? Should we expect any, you know, should we stay tuned to Jeff Davison's future?
3: You know... I think when you get into politics, the bug is always still there. And I'll tell you, you know, running for mayor in 2021, uh, not getting elected, you, you feel like you, you you have a lot of values and agenda that you haven't seen through. What that looks like going forward, I don't know yet. But I'll tell you, it's, it's something that I'm really starting to consider in terms of what does a future in politics for Jeff Davison look like. It's almost daily. And, you know, I, I understand politicians will say things like this, but it's daily where people come up and say, You've got to do something. Can you run again? Will you do this? Um, but it's it's a big challenge, right? You know, we talked about the polarization of politics these days. And when you have a young family, um, when you've got a decent career, you know, what are you giving up to go and do it? And uh, that that becomes, again, the challenge as to how you're going to get good qualified people running for election.
1: So then, OK, how as a leader and let's say you're elected as, uh, you know, a politician how do you bring all sides together? I mean, and that can go for a CEO leadership position as well. There are Mm -hmm. always going to be people with dissenting views, right? But as a leader, I feel like right now in politics particularly, it's it's if you are a liberal, you're this, and if you're conservative, you're that. Mm -hmm. And there's no gray. You're either good or bad in somebody's opinion. And I feel like we need to start to work together to realize that we all are looking for the same common goals for humanity, right? You know,
3: that that's the biggest thing here, right? Like, I think we are way way more alike than we are different as a yeah. society. Um, but the polarization has pushed people to believe that there's a significant lack of trust in politics and a lack of trust in politicians. You know, for me, whether it's running the Prostate Cancer Center, whether it was in politics or any other career move I've made— it's all about how do you work with people? How do you bring them together? How do you find common ground? And how do we work for you know, the common outcomes that we're trying to achieve? And there will always be things, whether you're in business or politics, that we'll disagree on. But we have to agree that the vast majority of us believe we can do better and that there is a way that we can create value for every
2: single Calgarian, Albertan, Canadian. But how can you take this talk from, you know, from the whiteboard into reality because it's not happening in the last decade or two and you know Tara used the word leaders but we called them politicians when i grew mm. up we called we did call them leaders now mm. we call them politi- it's almost a profession mm-hmm. it became a profession so how do you take this from the whiteboard we're all most of us you know are the same or equal or, or think the same or uh, alike and you know get this to actual day-to-day people understand that the this polarization won't get, get us, you know, further. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, look, first of all, you've got to be willing to put yourself out there and share your opinions,
3: right? And you've got to be able to build some consensus with those opinions. And, you know, for, for a person like me, I'm, I'm very much a, a center-right person, right? I believe that we need a strong economy. I believe that, you know, we need to value our business community. If you look at a place like Calgary, the number one employer in Calgary is small business, right? So making sure that the right environment for small business to succeed is incredibly important to how many people are employed by those small businesses. Um, You know, it's how do you set the right economic environment, but then, you know, you look at some of the social programs we have around the city that are failing. You know, we've got an environmental policy that's failing. We've got a homeless situation that is failing. We've got a housing situation that is failing. We've got an affordability issue that's failing. And when you start to think about fail, 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 you know, you have to remind yourself, it's great to point out the failures, but you have to finish the sentence what are you going to do differently? And and that's what people need to start paying attention to is, okay, it's not just one thing to say, well, you know, I don't like what that person's doing. Finish the sentence and say, what are you going to do next?
1: Wait a second. So you're right of... Center, but you care about social programs?
3: Shocking, I know. Shocking.
1: I thought that we were all bucketed into not caring about anybody else except for capitalism.
3: Look, I'll I'll tell you too. I think, uh, you know, from a conservative standpoint as well, we have to start to think about what does that big tent look like, right? Mm -hmm. You know, we've seen a lot of united united conservative movements happen in this province. And again, it comes back to what I said. You know, we, we can't continue to divide ourselves on issues. We have to say... You know, 95% of the time, we believe in, in the basics together. We believe in the values together. There are going to be things that even conservatives will say, you know, I want to have a, an argument over um, mm-hmm. with, within that tent. But we have to be willing to be listen. And it's that way. Absolutely. And it's, That's normal. You, you have to be willing to listen. You have yeah. to be willing to come to a conclusion together. And you have to be committed to those things.
1: Agreed. All right, Jeff Davison, thank you so much for coming in this morning. He's the CEO of the Prostate Cancer Center in Calgary.
0: Calgary Next is powered by Calgary Economic Development. Calgary is the place where bright minds and big ideas come together with an unmatched spirit to help solve global challenges.